Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Hey there, and thanks for tuning in. In this week's sermon, I explore the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I hope that you get something from this message and that you have a great week. Good morning. How are you today? Good, good. We have another great lesson today from Luke. We're, we're in the season of going through Luke's gospel. We're still in chapter 10. Last week we were in chapter 10 as well. And these few chapters through Luke's gospel, chapters 9, 10, 11, and 12, are some of the the most rich chapters in Luke, in in my humble opinion. We get some of the greatest teachings of Jesus. And today, we have arguably the most well-known teaching from Jesus for Christians inside the church, but also for people that are outside of the Christian tradition. Arguably, our story today of the blank Samaritan, the what? The good Samaritan. Now, actually, the word good is nowhere at all in that passage, right? It's not actually in the text. But that's how we've come to refer to this. The story of the good Samaritan, the parable of the good Samaritan, is arguably the most well-known parable of Jesus. Our culture has filtered that story down to a very simple lesson that most people in our society could, could tell you. The moral of the story is what? What is it? If you had to just boil it down really simply, the moral of the story is what? Help others, love your neighbor. You know, just gosh darn it, I, I just want to be a good person. I'm just going to be a good Samaritan, right? We have a good Samaritan hospital. Almost every city has a good Samaritan hospital. Towns and municipalities give out Good Samaritan awards to people who do random acts of kindness or show up in their community. And all of that is wonderful and all of that is true. But all of that is just a fraction of the power and the radical nature of this teaching. This teaching, this parable, what Jesus offered for this lawyer and his disciples gathered around was radical in his time. A radical teaching that undoubtedly would have made listeners to this original story very angry. I have no doubt that some of the disciples that had gathered around Jesus upon hearing this teaching probably stopped following Jesus after that because he went just a little bit too far. Because this story of the Good Samaritan, well, it touched on religious and political and social buttons. And we'll get there a moment later. The story is pretty simple, right? A lawyer, a young person comes to Jesus with an honest question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? The the Greek word there for eternal is eonion which is where we we derive eons, eon, eon, eons. Where do I get the life that lasts forever? Where do I get abundant life? Eonion speaks about endless time, 
but it's also translated as abundant, real, radical life. Where do I find that, Jesus? An honest question. And Jesus throws it back to the young lawyer. Well, what does the law say? He's testing him. So obviously this person, this young lawyer, is Jewish because Jesus asks him, what does the Jewish law say? And he answers correctly from Deuteronomy. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now the conversation could be over there, right? Jesus says, you're right. Now go and do likewise. The simple teaching at the first part of this is this. To experience abundant life, to experience real life, you need to love. You need to love your neighbor. You need to love God. You need to show up and pour yourself out. If you want the good life, if you want the really good life, the abundant life that lasts forever and ever, well then that hinges on your capability, your ability, your choice to love. It's not found in material possessions. It's not found in having all the right answers. Real abundant life is always experienced through an act of love. Pouring yourself out. And so he tells this young lawyer, go and do that. But yet, the young lawyer asks a follow-up question. Well, who is my neighbor? I mean, I mean, who, I mean do, I have to love, do I have to love everyone? Just some people? Who is my neighbor, Jesus? And how Jesus chooses to illustrate his point was radical. He tells this story, this parable, of a man in a ditch. Now, as I read this again, I want you to be thinking, who does this man in the ditch, who might it actually sound like? A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and left him half dead. Who might this figure actually be? Jesus, that's right, Shirley. What if we read this story as a foreshadowing Jesus is telling of how his journey will end? What if the man in the ditch is Jesus? So he tells this story about a man who was traveling, who was beaten, robbed, stripped naked, and left half dead. And he goes on. And then a priest, a priest walked by. And the priest saw the man in the ditch. But what did the priest do? He moved to the other side of the road. He put some distance between himself and the man in need. Now, does that not foreshadow a little bit of how Jesus' own journey would be? That the faithful Jewish people, the religious authorities of his tribe, well, they would put distance between themselves and Jesus. They were not going to help this rabbi in need these trumped-up accusations, they were actually going to be a part of his suffering. So they move to the other side, even though they see the suffering. And then he continues. And then a Levite, another person of, of religious standing, of authority, of political clout, well, that person sees the man in need, and yet he also moves 
to the other side. And then there's the third. But then a Samaritan, a Samaritan was walking down the same road. And the Samaritan, just like the priest and the Levite, saw the man in need. But what was different about the Samaritan? The Samaritan, instead of moving to the other side, instead of putting distance between the person suffering and himself, the Samaritan chose a very simple thing, to move towards the man in suffering. And now something, something amazing happens in our lives when we decide to move towards suffering. Our hearts grow more compassionate. It's happened to me every single time. You see, I don't think the Samaritan was a better person than the priest or the Levite. I don't think he had um, a, a better moral grounding. I don't think he was more learned. I don't think he cared more naturally. I think they all three were capable of the same love, but the Samaritan made a choice not to move away from pain and suffering, but to move towards it. And when you move towards someone suffering and pain, well, guess what happens? Your heart opens up. Your heart grows. And so this person made a very simple choice to move towards the suffering of another. And we're told he had passion, compassion and pity on this individual. And then how does this also not sound like the story of Jesus? What does he do for him? He pours oil on this man's wounds. Could this not be foreshadowing of how Jesus will sit at the table and the expensive perfume will be poured out on his feet? and his feet would be washed with the tears and the hair of a disciple. And then he takes the man, because he has compassion, he sees the need, and he puts him on his own donkey. Now Jesus rode on a donkey, and he takes him to an inn, and he's cared for. Jesus illustrating here that love is all about action. And it's not something that you have to be, be well-trained for. In the story, the man who shows compassion, he had everything he needed in his capability to care for somebody in pain. An ordinary person. And so at the end of telling this story, Jesus asked the question again, now which of these three was the neighbor to the man? And here's where here's where we start to see the hints of why this was a radical teaching. Because the lawyer responds, not by saying, the Samaritan. He responds by saying, the one who showed him mercy. Now what is that all about? Well, for the Jewish people, the Samaritans were enemies. They were not favored they were an enemy. Actually, what's even more interesting is Jesus tells this story immediately after he is rejected by a Samaritan village. Listen to this. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he, Jesus, set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was toward Jerusalem, because he was Jewish. 
And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. Now, as they were going along the road, Jesus tells this story. This is radical. Jesus and his disciples had just entered a Samaritan village. They are rejected. They are not given hospitality. They are not welcomed because they are Jewish. They leave the town. They're on the road. And precisely then, the lawyer approaches. And Jesus chooses to illustrate what neighborly love, what God's radical love means by making the example of the one who loved the one who rejected them. How easy would it have been for Jesus to slander the Samaritans, to talk bad about the Samaritans, to fuel the hatred between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. Those Samaritans never welcome us. They say, yeah, we should have called down fire. Yeah, they're no good. You don't have to love them. Jesus doesn't do any of that. Jesus actually makes the one who rejected him the hero in the story. Now, why would Jesus do that? Because his vision of love for the world, his vision of love was to dissolve all of these cultural barriers that we throw up. Jesus refuses to make enemies. And he refuses to turn people into enemies. And so his story of radical love is a story that we need to hear to day because I don't care who you are there is somebody or something or some group or some political party or some person that really makes you mad and you love just like I love in my worst moments to gossip all about them we love to do this don't we oh those people they're just if they could just get on with it oh those oh those people and Jesus, if he were here, and if you were asking him, what does it mean to love my neighbor? Well, he would tell you with a parable, and he would make that group or that person that you can't stand, that you've turned into the enemy, he would make them the hero in the story. And you would be pissy. You'd be mad. And you might even stop following him. You might even say, that's too far, Jesus. Nope, no way, no way, not the Samaritans. This, this is the Jesus we worship. This is the Jesus we worship. The one who will not allow us to continue dividing humanity. That will not allow us to continue calling others by names. Who will not allow us to exclude anyone from God's welcomed table. This is the Jesus we worship. This is why we are gathered to be reminded once again that God's love for us has always been poured out in an unconditional way, and we are to go and do likewise. Now, I unpacked this with this idea that Jesus could have been the one in the gutter, right? And that makes a lot of sense. He was rejected by his own people. He was rejected by others. But the ones who saw and understood the message of the kingdom initially, well, they were like the Samaritans, weren't they? They were the poor women and the fishermen and the outcasts. 
in Luke's gospel, the first people to hear about the birth of Christ are the shepherds, the lowest on the bottom rung of the, of the social totem pole. Luke's gospel is always uplifting the poor, those that, are, those that are lonely, those that feel trampled on. Jesus certainly could have been the one in the gutter, but we could also look at the story as if Jesus was the one who came to give mercy. Because three main actions happened. Number one, the Samaritan saw the pain of somebody. He saw the need. Well, God saw the need and the pain of a broken humanity. So God sent prophets. So God gave the law. God saw and sees our pain. Well, two, the Samaritan, instead of moving away from the pain, the Samaritan moved towards the pain. Well, what did God do in Christ Jesus, our Lord? He came towards the pain. He came in the incarnate flesh. He came to live among us, not to be distant from our pain, but to experience our pain, to walk alongside our pain. Jesus was just like the Samaritan who came and journeyed with us. And then what did the Samaritan do when he drew near to the suffering of the man? He poured out extravagant love. He gave of himself so that the other might live so that the other might have eonion, abundant life. Well, what does Jesus do for us? He not only draws near, he washes our feet, he feeds us, he offers love and mercy, and on the cross, he cries out, Father, forgive them, for they have no idea what they're doing. You can name a hospital after this story, you can give an award out after this story, but the true power of this story is found in us going and doing likewise with this vision of radical love for all people, no exceptions. Who have you made into an enemy? Who do you love to gossip about? Is it the other mom on the street that you think parents in a terrible way that you love to talk about? Is it a coworker that just drives you mad? Is it a political party or a news station? Is it a figurehead? Who is it? This week, your challenge is to see how they too embody God's love. How they too are capable of God's love. And your second challenge this week is to move towards the pain of another. I guarantee you there is someone in your life that feels as though they're in the proverbial gutter. How can you draw closer? But know this, when you do, your heart will grow. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.